0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast.
1: By the time you listen to this week's edition of the podcast, there's every possibility that at least one bulk carrier will have exited the Ukrainian port of Chonomorsk. That shipment is going to be a test run, both in terms of the logistics and the security challenges that lie ahead for getting ships out of a war zone, but also in terms of the political trust that's required on all sides. The deal to allow safe transport of grain out of the Ukraine by sea is a pretty extraordinary and almost entirely unprecedented agreement between enemy combatants. But it is still a work in progress, and the list of potential risks that could yet scupper it are long. The logistics of getting the staff and fuel needed to restart the operations at the ports are not going to be solved overnight, but frankly, that's the easy bit. More significantly, the insurers are yet to see all of the details they need to get the ships moving beyond that first symbolic movement of ships that are effectively taking place to install some trust that it is in fact safe for bulkers to operate in Ukraine. Only then will we see operations slowly restarting and grain liftings in Odessa and need to follow. There's approximately 25 million tonnes of grain ready to be shipped from Ukrainian ports and and the owners of the grain are going to be looking to sell and ship this as quickly as possible, if only to free up the silos for the fresh harvest and ensure limited rotting. The UN's World Food Programme is taking the lead on the initial shipments, at least with large quantities of these volumes destined for sub-Saharan African countries, which have been struggling to import foods at such high prices. We also expect to see pretty large volumes heading to China and South Korea, which is going to add some tonne miles to the equation. But before we can start calculating the impact on freight rates for shipping, there are a lot of politics to get through. So we are bringing you some insights this week from one of the agents inside Odessa. She's been working throughout the war and offers a pretty unique perspective on the challenges that lie ahead. But First, I wanted to delve more deeply into this insurance situation. That's realistically going to make or break this deal. So I called on the expertise of an old podcast friend, Neil Roberts, war risk expert and head of marine and aviation at the Lawyers Market Association. Now, this is a situation that is moving rapidly. The political deal to agree the corridor was being negotiated right up to the wire before it was announced last Friday. Since then... The Operational Command Centre, the JCC as it's known, has been established in Istanbul with the IMO's Head of Legal Affairs, Fred Kenny, at the helm. But the standard operating procedures for shipping only started getting drafted on Tuesday. Now, we've seen some of those details emerge, but not all. As of Friday, when this podcast was being published, Lloyd's insurer Ascot and Broker Marsh were the first to launch a marine cargo and war insurance set for grain and food products moving from Ukraine Black Sea ports. But we know there are still details missing. So I started by asking Neil whether the insurance markets were ready to support the political successes that everybody seems so keen to announce.
2: Certainly it's uh, waiting for the standard operating procedures for shipping to be um, clarified, but subject to suitable safeguards and understanding what's happening. For insurance, this becomes a question of matching risk to capacity. This is the sort of risk that the war market is set up to handle. And in terms of all the willingness for
1: insurers to underwrite this, we're looking at specialist war risk cover here, aren't we? In,
2: yes, there's a special war market in, in London for war risks. This is, uh, you know, with the background of the conflict going on, the underlying factors are the same. This is trade, which is readily understood uh, commercially and internationally. But, of course, you need the will to write the risk, and that involves understanding the risk and assessing what, what in fact, you'd like to commit to it as an underwriter. There are some logistical details to be worked through, including the availability of personnel to handle and load the grain and the reactivation of vessels alongside, perhaps towing them out of berths that are needed. Plus, there's the question of charters for fresh tonnage. But once all these things are in place, Thing one well, and the test voyage has, has occurred, and people can t- see the system is working. Then it should be a question of repeat. We would probably need uh, the schedule of vessels a week in advance, just for convenience. We haven't obviously seen that yet. But to you know, because this is an ongoing conflict, it's it's not nothing is normal about this. There is no parallel for such a, a, a setup during a, a conflict where both sides combatants agree to a, a safe corridor at sea. But, you know, once once the crew aspects are sorted out, it's not clear, for instance, whether Ukrainian personnel can leave the area. So uh, a lot of the ships that are alongside do have currently replacement Ukrainian crew on board. So there's a complication there. There's the, the side deal that involves the Russian aspects, particularly the Russian fertilizer, Russian grain, it's not clear yet about uh, a waiver for sanctions on the supply chain there. Whilst these are humanitarian um, products, we're in strict liability regime, and there would possibly be Russian involvement that, that may be on, on the SDN list. So it would be useful to have comfort in that respect.
1: Mm. So assuming that we do see the insurers give the green light, they are going to want to see some at least political uh, agreement that these waivers are in place, that, that operators aren't going to be hit by some sort of sanctions if they engage in this?
2: Yes, and but initially we're just looking at the Ukrainian aspects, but further mm. down there will undoubtedly be the Russian side of it to contend with. Uh, obviously they signed it in on the understanding that they would be able to get some of their product out as well. And both sides have a similar motivation for this in terms of there's a commercial point where they can sell their produce but also they gain great respect from the rest of the world for uh, you know the humanitarian side of this and enabling the the, the world to be to be fed without a, an undue spike in prices mm.
1: uh, clearly we've seen you know some insurance entities pulling back from the region and they've had their appetite limited by reinsurance constraints but In terms of the specialists who are looking at this, are they going to be operating individually or there was some talk of a a consortium being established?
2: Well, it's a a free market and we can't be sure how this is going to work. But obviously, the first thing to do is to make sure there was interest. And we have got uh, over a dozen carriers uh, showing they are interested. And then it'd be a question of the brokers and talking to the underwriters, basically. So... There are obviously in place facilities, but it may be convenient to have a a single um, umbrella facility where all brokers can can access it and all underwriters can access it. Because after all, this isn't just about the whole war. It's also about the cargo and they're they're written by different um, markets in terms of the the personnel, but it's obviously the same voyage. So to have it all together in one place would be convenient, but it, it may not happen that way. And we're talking before
1: the first shipment departs. Uh, we're working on the assumption that it will happen. There has been a lot of political optimism after the deal was signed. And we're talking you know, a few hours after the, uh, the JCC was established in Istanbul. But we're also talking only a few days after there was a missile strike on Odessa. I mean, there is still the possibility that politics and war may scupper this deal I mean how how nervous do you think the insurers are going to be about further incursions like that missile strike
2: well they will be very conscious of what's going on Um, it's a question of understanding motivation it shouldn't be forgotten that the deal was authorized and indeed that the talks were authorized at the highest level and therefore also the strike was authorized at the same level and although they look uh, opposites, it it should really be read as a a message, a signal of Russian continuing ability, and yet forbearance in in this area for a a specified period. So I think that that side of it was a message. It could obviously deteriorate, and no doubt the, the first voyage out will be the most tense, and we now understand that the first vessel out will be commercial, Rather than military, so um, that that certainly adds spice to the calculus. The
1: the deal itself is is pretty unprecedented in terms of enemy combatants agreeing to allow this sort of trade to happen. Or or am I wrong? Is there is there any sort of historical precedent here?
2: There is a very remarkable deal. Um, certainly, it seems counterintuitive for. Combatants to help each other, but it's it's not entirely without precedent. For instance, in, in the Peloponnesian Wars and World War One, and and more recently Kashmir. But in this instance, this is totally different in that there's been no embargo to to uh, counter in, in 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 actual terms that we would understand from previous conflicts. So what we have here is a, a corridor at sea. And that's never been agreed by combatants in the past.
1: As far as Ukraine is concerned, getting the grain corridor open and running cannot come soon enough. President Vladimir Zelensky was doing the rounds on Friday as this podcast was being recorded, insisting that the Ukrainian ports of Chornomorsk, Odessa and Yuzny were all ready to resume seaborne exports, with around 18 loaded vessels ready to start the UN-brokered operation. But what about those people who are inside the ports? Anna Belouiga is an agent for Eurogal services, and she acts as a Lloyd's agent inside Odessa. She's been keeping the industry informed of vital developments from inside Ukraine since the outbreak of war. And I caught up with her this week and asked her to describe what the situation is like inside Odessa right now.
0: There is a bit mess at the ports uh, because uh, there is no uh, something like a step-by-step procedure of how to implement uh, the Corita's uh, initiative into, into reality. Uh, in other words, the parties uh, agreed the terms, uh, signed the paper, and uh, that's it. Now market players need to think about the way how, how it should work actually uh, on the practice. Um, also, we currently face uh, some uh, issues uh, and uh, the first issue is lack of crew on board of the ships uh, which are stranded at the Ukrainian ports. Um, there are uh, about five, six uh, sea on most of the ships uh, stayed there uh, as, uh, as as guards. And uh, as far as we know, uh, all of the All or almost all uh, foreign crew members uh, have been repatriated home within the first weeks of the war. Uh, Therefore, those who stay on board are mostly uh, Ukrainian citizens. Um, uh, the next uh, the next issue or, or uh, let's expectation is that not uh, all the ship owners are ready uh, to direct their ships to the Ukrainian ports uh, until it is absolutely clear that it is safe. Um, therefore, it may be the case that they will wait to see how the corridors work and if there is no danger for ship owners crew and cargo, and only then they uh, they will join
1: this initiative. You know, you you've you've been based in Odessa, uh, you know, during the war. This is clearly unprecedented times for you to be operating there. Can you give us, you know, some sense of what the situation is like in Odessa right now, particularly in the port, and what sort of state the port is in uh, as a result of the fighting? It, it, is, is the infrastructure uh, operating? Uh, you know, are, how 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 are things uh, operating on a daily basis there for you?
0: Uh, so, uh, as I said, uh, it was quite uh, calm and uh, n- nothing uh, really uh, happened at the ports uh, until until these uh, arrangements for the green corridor started. So uh, now we expect that uh, more people, more staff will return to port uh, for work. But um, uh, we still uh, consider that it is quite dangerous and unpredictable situation because, uh, especially after that uh, missile attack on the Odessa port, uh, nobody knows uh, what 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 may be expected from Russian side. Uh, mm-hmm. So. I think nobody really understands how it will work and uh, what will be the uh, results and the outcome of all these initiatives. And uh, I think that uh, we will may assess the results only after after something is already in progress. For the Odessa support in- infrastructure, there is... Uh, actually no uh, considerable damage. There was only that uh, one attack uh, damaging the pump station, and uh, there was no serious damage to infrastructure uh, in comparison to other ports, because we have uh, some destroyed objects uh, in Meeklive, in um, Mariupol ports, uh, and uh, we we, we even can't uh, actually access them because the circumstances uh, doesn't allow to do that so we we really hope that situation in odessa will uh, will even uh, become better uh, for now we feel More or less safe here in in Odessa because uh, we have uh, quite strong air defensive systems and uh, most part of those missiles which are directed to Odessa or Odessa region are fighted uh, by our air defensive systems. But unfortunately uh, uh, the uh, hits uh, happened from time to time and uh, there were damaged living, uh, city, uh, living houses, uh, both in Odessa city and Odessa region with uh, killed and injured people. So uh, yes, we, we hope for the best and uh, wait for the end of all these challenging times.
1: I mean, on a personal perspective, you know, operating inside what is essentially a war zone is something that I don't think I can certainly imagine. I don't think our listeners can really imagine. I mean, how are you dealing with this day to day?
0: You know, uh, we, uh, we try to work and try to live a normal life. We uh, Unfortunately, we got used to that. We got used to that uh, air attacks and uh, air alarms. And uh, this is not good. This is not the thing uh, which is good to be used to. But uh, but we don't have any other any other way, any other choice because we, uh, for the moment, uh, personally, my family and me, we don't want to leave our house, don't want to leave our city, of course, until the uh, situation is critical in case uh, we feel that uh, the situation is dangerous for us for our children of course uh, we will have to consider uh, the the option to leave but i hope that uh, it won't happen of course mm. are um, you in any uh, way
1: optimistic that this grain deal offers some hope some safety that you know the port at least will you know, be allowed to operate to some semblance of normality as a result of this deal?
0: Oh, um, I think uh, if uh, the situation allows and uh, if uh, there there are no more attacks on the port infrastructure on the ships going uh, through these safe corridors, uh, in this case, I think uh, there is nothing which uh, can uh, which can worsen the situation and which can cancel this initi- initiation. So we really hope that uh, it, it will it will work as scheduled uh, because uh, it is uh, the way to help our economy uh, to to grow and uh, to help our people to return to their workplaces and uh, to help our city to live normal life as previous.
1: And there we shall leave it for now. Obviously, we will be following the developments of the Grain Corridor closely via Lloyd's List Intelligence and Lloyd's List, so as soon as something moves, subscribers will be among the first to know. My thanks to both Neil and especially Anna for their time and expertise this week. My thanks as ever to you for listening. We will be back next week with more, but for now, goodbye and have a good week.